Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. This is George Macharco, host of DC Entrepreneur here on WERA 96.7 FM. I'm in the studio today with Hal Shelton. Hal is the author of The Secrets to Writing a Successful Business Plan, and he's the board member of the SCORE Association. He also has background in angel investing, working for Blue Venture Investments. Welcome today. Thanks, George. Thanks to all your listeners. Hello. So, Hal, um, thanks for being here today. Talk to me about what SCORE is and how SCORE is able to help businesses that are just starting out. Uh, SCORE is a, a nonprofit, a 501c3. It's been in place for over 50 years, and its mission is to help entrepreneurs start, grow, and in a few occasions sell their businesses. has a number of products around that. Uh, the key one is mentoring, and the good news is it's all free. And we have lots of different models to do it. Uh, the most popular is one-on-one face-to-face mentoring, but you can also do email mentoring. There's video mentoring. And the way to, to make contact is just go to score.org, and it'll be put in your zip code, and you'll find a location near you. Here in the D.C. area, it's one of the largest chapters. In fact, there's 300 chapters nationwide with 11,000 volunteers. And in the D.C. area, the, the main office is down, downtown on the ground floor of the SBA headquarters building. But we also have a branch out here in Arlington mm-hmm. co-located with the Arlington Economic Development Center, which people find very convenient. Oh, that's great to know. So Arlingtonians are able to go to AED and uh, stop by. Are your offices there or do you, do you meet there? Uh, so we have offices there mm-hmm. and we have mentors there, I think, four days a week. And you just call uh, the center there, say you want to make an appointment with a SCORE mentor, uh, give a little indication of what you're looking for, and so you can have the best match uh, of a mentor. The mentors are all volunteers, uh, many retired, not all, but you want to find someone who has been in the business that you're already in or thinking of going in uh, just so you can get the expertise. Additionally, if you go to the website, score.org, there's just lots of information about small businesses. There's templates for business plans, for financial forecasts. There's podcasts. There's webinars and lots of information all about small business. That's great. Now, you're a SCORE board member, and you also have written this book here called The Secrets to Writing a Successful Business Plan. And one of the things that I know um, a lot of uh, incubators and um, business accelerators recommend is that businesses start with a business plan. Why do you think it's essential for startups to consider planning in advance before they start their idea? A couple of uh, good responses to that. The entrepreneur starting a business is going to spend probably 60 to 100 hours a week You're all in if you're going to be successful. And to start off, it's hard to find funding. So you're going to put your own personal resources in. And so it's your time and it's your money um, and it's all your energy. And you just want to have a sense 
that at least on a paper exercise, that the idea you have is both viable and feasible. Um, and make sure you got the right assumptions. You should not go in with the, the thought that everything you put on paper is going to turn out exactly that way, mm-hmm. and the chances are unlikely to do that, but at least it will give you a plan. And most of the people think that writing a business plan is for the end result of getting money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does have that purpose, but the key thing for writing a business plan is to have your own roadmap. Okay. Okay. I'm reminded of a cartoon, and I think it uh, originated with Alice in Wonderland, and it's uh, a person coming up to a four-way intersection, and there are directional signs everywhere in all directions. And the caption says, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm familiar with that one. Um, Yeah, it's definitely, I I think, good to have guidelines for, you know, what you envision your business to be. And um, one thing I've noticed is there's been a lot of uh, people uh, that are actually saying that maybe you shouldn't have something that's completely uh, too in-depth for your business plan, especially if you're a lean startup. Um, can you speak to why it's important to have almost everything um, written out before you, you start? It's really that roadmap. Uh, and again, it's not going to come out that way, but it's a thought process that took you down that route. If you're a, a sole owner of your business, I mean, clearly you could do it on the back of the envelope because you're not going to share it with anybody. You can talk to yourself. Uh, people might wonder why you're talking to yourself. But sometimes you can just take shortcuts if you don't put it down on paper. Uh, Many uh, tech startups are uh, multi-owner businesses. Um, You have a marketing person, a CTO-type person, and others. And I have found, and through personal experience and some of it not good, is that people have different expectations of how they're going to approach the business. They have different expectations of the results. And if they don't talk it out and put it down on paper, uh, sometimes uh, there is a a shortcoming. And I can give you an example. In our angel group, we invested in a tech startup. Three great entrepreneurs had a great message, had great good traction. They really knew what they were doing. Six months into it, one of the founders said, I'm out of here. And we said, you can't do that. And he said, of course I can do that. I'm out of here. And besides, I'm leaving all my founder shares on the table. I'm leaving all my options. I just can't work with my two co-founders. We have different ideas on how this business is to run. He left. The other two um, said, we can do it without him. Three months later, they closed the business. Mm. Shame on them for not having figured it out and worked it out and talked it out and shame on us in our due diligence process for not having found it. Hal, talk to me about why you wrote this book, The Secrets to Writing a Successful Business Plan. Talk to me about your thought process and why you felt it was essential to have a book on writing business plans. Uh, The simple three-word answer is extend my reach. Uh, What I mean by that is so I have been a SCORE mentor now for 11 years. Uh, and I've worked with about 1,200 uh, entrepreneurs, most, most of them around business plans and starting a business. I said, and I do it one-on-one, and I said, the sad news is that about 50% of all businesses will fail in their first five years. That's SBA data, and that data hasn't changed over the years. And I said, well, how do I get the message out in, in a faster way? 
I said, you know, I can go public speak. I could do a lot of things. But the book lets people read it at their own speed and at their own time. And it basically encompasses all the things I say and talk about in my one-on-one sessions. And in the three-plus year, three years that the book has been out, uh, it's been available to over 12,000 uh, folks. And so that it proved my point of being able to extend my reach much faster than I could do one-on-one. And so this is the second edition of the book. Uh, when was the first edition published? The first edition was uh, January 2014, and three years later, January 2017, I came up with the second edition. It's it's 100 pages longer, uh, so it, and it's a, it has a key new chapter that addresses the issue that startups face in their first uh, six months or so, like how much should I pay myself? How much... Uh, cash should I have in the business? I had a business plan before. When should I update it? And things of that nature. Yeah, those are all good questions. So um, let's talk about business plans now for a moment. Um, do all business plans have to have this 30-page format or they can, can they be shorter than that? They can be substantially shorter than that. And because of this myth that they're all 30 pages and 15 of those are financials, uh, which many people are afraid of, uh, they don't write a business plan to start with. I have seen very effective four- to six- to eight-page business plans. If you're a um, home-based business and you're a service-based business and you're not asking for money up front, you're going to have like an eight-page business plan. The biggest section is going to be marketing, and it's going to address, you know, who, who, are my, who are my customers, what my competition is about, and how am I going to drive traffic to my front door the biggest issue for all startups is how do I get that first two, three paying customers? You're going to have a, maybe one page on yourself. Uh, if you're a service business, you, you know, you're selling your expertise and people want to know why you're the right person to provide it. And you might have one page on financials demonstrate to yourself, uh, here's, my, here's the, my gross margins, here's my profit, and it, it satisfies my personal financial goals. Who is a business plan for? Is it solely for you know banking institutions that are going to loan you money for investors? Is it is it for the entrepreneur themselves? I mean, who 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 reads business plans and who has kind of a vested stake in in reading a business plan? It's it's all the above. Uh, the first thing is the business plan is for you. Subsequent to that, you might have different versions of the business plan for the the funder, uh, be the bank or the angel. You might be making a pitch to a, hu- a big customer who wants to know about you. You might be buying something, and so a vendor wants to know about you, and you're going to tailor that business plan to meet their needs. If you think of the bank, which people usually think of first, and you think about a small business officer at the bank, she's going to have 40 to 50 of these proposals on the table, on her desk. Mm-hmm. And you need to write it in a way that she's comfortable with. And what I recommend is you go to your bank, uh, find the small business loan officer, take no paper, talk about that you're, you've been with a bank customer, they know you, you're planning to start a business, or you're in business and you're thinking of a new project or a product extension or a new office or whatever it is. You're working with SCORE, who you're working with. You're going to write a business plan. What does she want to see in your business plan? Mm. 
and then you know you put it there. And you make her life easy, and you make it easier for her to make the decision you want her to make. So what would you say is the main challenge for startups and small businesses whenever they're, they're just starting out? Uh, the key challenge is is to get paying customers. Uh, you mentioned earlier, didn't you quite use the word, uh, we call it the value proposition, and being able to demonstrate almost in an elevator pitch kind of thing, what problem are you solving that someone wants to pay for? And, and, and the expression of that it doesn't come easy, and you really have to work at it. And one of the benefits of a business plan or the business plan process is to help in that messaging and how it all ties together. And as your business changes over time, your messages will change and how to do that in a consistent way. So let's switch now and talk about your work in investing. Now, you're an angel investor. What kind of things do you look for in businesses and whenever they're going to, to pitch, you know, what are the kind of things that they need to ask whenever they're, they're looking to get um, somebody to invest in them? Um, so two-part question. And the first is just general funding. And the way I try to think about that is you're shopping for money, okay? <laughs> and so an analogy, if you want a bicycle, you don't mm-hmm. go to a barber shop, right? And you can think of every other mismatch. So the, the same thing is true with your company, your startup, or your existing company. You know, how much money are you looking for? Is it under 5000 Is it under 100 Is it more? That will help determine where you go. What kind of money are you looking for? Are you looking for debt? You know, that's more like, and which you just pay off over time, and then you have no relationship? That's more like a bank, and, and bank-like kinds of places. Or are you looking for equity, where there's no payoff um, ongoing, but you now have a partner, and you might not want this active partner helping you run your business. And they're looking for an exit sometime down the road so they can get out. And a couple of other questions. What is your personal um, financial situation? What are your plans for the business? How fast is it growing? And all those will contribute to where you go. So more specifically to, to angels, angel investors as opposed to VCs, and they're sort of in, lumped in the same class, VCs tend to invest other people's money. Uh, they raise funds to invest other people's money, and they usually start at the $5 million range. A few are lower, but mo- and many are higher. Angels uh, tend to invest their own money, and they tend to invest in earlier parts of the company. They call it the seed round or, or the A round uh, before the VCs get in. Clearly, it's more risky, and they expect higher higher returns. What angels, and if you go to the angelcapitalassociation.net, uh, which is the trade group of, of angel groups, uh, and you can s- search there for uh, find an angel, uh, find an angel group, and there's quite a few here in the D.C. metro area. Angels, and they're all different, so I'm going to get, say one thing, and it's going to apply more or less to, to everyone. Angels tend not to invest in just an idea. They want to see that the company has some traction. Traction means sales. doesn't have to be a lot, but some traction will demonstrate that that value proposition is true. 
that's you have something that someone's willing to pay for. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be the final product. It could be you know V1. It could be a great beta uh, where you have then have restful, referenceable accounts uh, for that. So it's having some traction versus an idea. Angels also tend to invest in teams uh, as opposed to a single owner. A huge risk. Uh, one owner, great guy or gal, gr- uh, Good product, good marketing, but the prevail gets hit by the bus, you know, and then the, then the, the, there is no business. So you like to have multiple owners, um, founding teams. You know, maybe one's the CEO, the CTO, the marketing person. But we everybody recognizes before funding, they might not all be full time. You might not have the resources to pay them. Uh, some of them might be there just for options. Some might be part-time, uh, but with a commitment that when funding is is there, they will become full-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, angels look f- – so when I think about all the companies that are started in the U.S., and there's over 6 million every year. Uh, this is Hal's own data. 95% of them are started up and to be run almost forever by the entrepreneur and eventually give them to their kids or, or whatever. And that's what America is based on, and that's good. Angels, though, are looking for that 5% of those companies that get started up and will the owner says, I want to run it, I want to grow it, and then I want to sell it. Because the angels, when they invest, you know, they give you your money, you give them some stock certificates, and then they just have to wait. You don't have any cash to pay dividends. They're not expecting to pay dividends. The dividends will be accrued. But the only way they're going to monetize their investment is if you sell. So you have to sell your baby. And some, for some people, that's tough to do. When you're looking for traction, you said you're looking for sales. Um, one thing I've, I've noticed, and maybe this just comes from my own experience as an entrepreneur, is that sometimes the first concept isn't the concept that actually sells. Sometimes it's something else you discover in the process of creating your business. Um, how important is it to have like a minimum viable product before you decide that you want to get investors on it? Or does it does it even matter? You know, if the idea is strong enough that investors decide that they want to uh, put money towards the concept. Most of the companies that we have invested in all go through what we will call a pivot. And the pivot could be a product extension or a product uh, rewrite of some kind. Uh, It could be we were selling to um, individuals and we need now to sell through channels and we need to sell through distributors. That's accepted and and is the norm. Uh, But you need to have started at some place and you need to have made some sales of something uh, to get that traction. Talk to me about Blue Venture investors. What's the investment approach that you have whenever you come to a decision on investing in a company? Like, what do you have a team of investors that decide on this? How do they how do they vet the, uh, the businesses that come in there? We receive th- about three hundred opportunities a year, and what we have found is that that's a lot to go through. Uh, what you really need is the internal champion uh, to get a hearing. And so if you have an idea and you've gone through that Angel Capital Association and you found websites and you've said, hey, this angel group is of interest to me, you need to do what we do in Washington, D.C. very well is network. 
and you need to find out who the investors are, who the members are of that angel group. Then you need to find someone who knows someone who knows one of those, and you need to pitch that person individually and get them excited about it and let them carry your idea to the group. So that's, you're now in the door, okay? Uh, We have one person who sort of manages our deal flow. Uh, He'll take a look at your, your pitch deck, He'll, he might give you a call to get some more questions, and he'll sort of sense out, does this fit what we do? If you went to our website, um, blueventureinvestors.com, and it's B-L-U without an E, you'll see that we do mostly technology companies, mid-Atlantic area that are B2B models. So if you were fashion, food, um, B2C, could be a great idea, but it's not us. And that would get tossed out very quickly. But assuming you get past that, hey, it sort of fits, you'll be invited into what's called a screening session. And most angel groups do this. This will be a group of two or three members. You'll get 20 minutes uh, to pitch. Uh, You'll leave. The group will talk about you to decide should you be invited back to talk to the larger group. You come back, assuming you pass that hurdle. Uh, talk to a larger group, and then you will that you'll leave. You'll get talked about. Uh, should we start due diligence on this venture? And then after some time, the internal group will say, you know, after going through terms, should we make an investment in this company? Most angel groups, and and we are with that, probably invest in two to three percent on an annual basis of all the deals they see. So there's a huge compression, a big competition from that initial top of the funnel to what comes out at the end. So what types of businesses are you currently investing in, if you're able to tell us about that? Uh, we tend to invest in B2, uh, B2B mm-hmm. business models, uh, e-commerce, okay. ent- enterprise software. Mm-hmm. They're all technology-based. We have a few – we have one medical device company, a few telemedicine. um, Popular now is IoT, Internet of Things, and a subset of that is the industrial Internet of Things. Uh, We have those kinds of companies. The other area that we're very active in and is unique to D.C. metro area is cybersecurity. Someone has told me that there are over 1,000 cybersecurity companies in the D.C. area alone. This is the mecca. And we have an initiative of just cyber. We're investing in 10 to 15 cyber companies a year. Uh, We review them uh, screening sessions like every Friday, a very hot market. We have a number of our members who are very skilled in that area. And so it's something we decided to do. When you invest in businesses, Hal, uh, do you happen to invest in businesses that you, you know that model, or do you also take risks and decide to invest in you know startups that might not be necessarily a, a business type that you're familiar with? We, we are always taking risk, um, but we tend to invest in industries and models that we know mm-hmm. and, or where we have a member who has experience in that area. But uh, every year, there's something new comes exciting, and we take a flyer on it. So it's it's not completely black and white. So when you invest in a business, you take a board seat 
on that company's board, ostensibly, right? So angel groups are all over the map. Some are very passive and say, here's my money. Give me quarterly information reports. Others are very active. We're in the very active category. And every one of our investments require a board seat and most likely a board observer seat. How does that work for the entrepreneur? Do they still have autonomy and decision-making abilities for their business, or is it compromised by having someone sit on the board that's an investor? People who are looking for angel investing, particularly of the active kind, need to accept up front that they're going to have a board, and they should see the board as a help. Uh, They have some knowledge uh, that they, that the entrepreneur is missing. They can open some doors that the entrepreneur can't open for, let's say, on the marketing side or business development side. They have some knowledge on technology. Often when an entrepreneur uh, comes to Blue and gives the pitch, we say, why are you here? You know? And if they just say, we want your money, we probably would pass. We need this to be a partnership The entrepreneur obviously started with 100% share um, of the company. They'll give up some during this process, but they usually will still be the majority shareholder. And so if that might get to your question about Mm -hmm. autonomy or vote, usually the boards could be two or three folks, could be up to five, seven in some cases, and you want people who will help you. Well, Hal, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. And uh, can you go ahead and just give those links of how they can reach out to you one more time? Sure. A couple of links. Um, If you're interested in SCORE mentoring, you could either go to SCORE.org and put your zip code in there, um, and hopefully you'll you'll come up with the Arlington Group. If you want to talk to me directly, my formal name is Henry, so henry.shelton at scorevolunteer.org. If you want to talk to me about angel investing, well, first of all, go to blueventureinvestors.com. And that's blue without an E, or reach me there at hshelton at blueinvestorinvestors.com. Great. Well, thanks so much again, Hal. Thank you, George. And thanks to everybody who's listening in today. Catch us next time on DC Entrepreneur. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog, dc-entrepreneur.com. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode, and thanks for listening.